Hi, welcome to Solve. Um, is is this idea of uh, let go, let God, right? Which we've heard, we've, we've heard. It's a nice poetic phrase, you know, and everyone says it, and it's on quotes and affirmations on Instagram and all these sorts of things. But what what does it really mean, and how do I really live with it, and how do I really work with it? It's a really a concept that you have to work with for your life. You know, it's not something you can just like read a quote and go, okay, let go, let God. Wow, like you know. It's very nice for that moment and then I go on and start freaking out about the traffic and whatever else, right? It, it, it's about being able to really live in a very real way with, with that idea and, and work with that idea and then notice when you shift with it and notice when you're off track from it and, and use it as a barometer, right? So I thought it'd be interesting to explore a little bit about the Jewish perspective of what that really means and there's different ways you can go with that also and then they're also then practice a meditation that helps you to explore that in an internal way, which I know that anyone who's come to this before, you know, you know that we do that at, you know, by the end. So before I go on, though, I want to introduce Nalini Ibrahimov. Sorry, after she took a bite of sushi. Um, this is our sold Rebetson, which she hates when I say Rebetson. But, um, but yes, but she is. She's amazing, and she has an amazing family. And they really host all, a lot of the sold girls all the time in Brooklyn for Shabbat and for holidays. Come to Brooklyn. Um, and it's like a really, uh, people describe it like a, a, a whole like emotional massage. Like you go there and it's just like warm and loving and there's the cutest kids like beware because they make you do things you don't want to do because they're just so cute that you'll do anything they want. Um, the food is yummy, the family's warm, it's just beautiful. And so like anyway, Lily normally doesn't come to Monday nights because she runs a more advanced track for Sold on Monday nights up on the Upper West Side. Yeah. Um, but because they haven't started after Passover yet, so they, she came tonight. So good to meet you. Good to have you nice here again. You She's awesome. We love her. Um, also, I just realized, uh, it's too late now, but whatever. If I'm not Facebook friends with you, can you tell me your Facebook name? Facebook friends. I forgot about that. Oops. Because what we find is that people put down their names on the attendance and then we can't find them on Facebook because everyone changes their name so their bosses don't find out. Right? Huh? Do you want to do that? I mean, do many of you I am friends with on Facebook, but a few of you maybe not. Well, so. you. You'll find me, but they don't. So that's the problem. Then they're like, I didn't know it was on. I'm like, well, I'm not friends on Facebook. Like, whatever. We're, we're going to start. No, that's just my... my... Okay. Um, okay, so the let go, let God idea... Really, really, it's an idea about. Uh, oh, this pe these pieces of paper are things that I. Uh, you can do whatever you want on if you're a doodler, but um, but the real point of it is is to be able to write down some things that you might come up in meditation. You know, so after the meditation, that you'll just write down some things. So I just wanted you to have. You can do what you want with the pieces of paper. But um, by the way, was anyone here for the Passover meditation? Yeah, yeah. Did you did you? How did it go with the intention and the Passover? out of interest was there a connection did it did it did, was there any awareness or evolution you don't have to say what it is it might be personal but was there just wondering Lauren would you you were nodding yeah. yes meaning that you felt the intention and what happened was connected yeah okay awesome anyone else Someone's like what was my intention no but it does happen at the subconscious level which is also good because you might not even see see it happening yet but it's a straight after Passover but just just want to note that that it's important or it can be helpful to just bring it into conscious awareness oops oh, I just remembered. you remembered it mm -hmm. and 
I didn't change it, but I told my therapist that I want to change it. <laughs> That's good. That's always a start. So it's on the radar. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, okay. So let go like God really is about expanding consciousness. Yeah. If I talk about what is let go, let God. How would you define it? I say, okay, expanding consciousness, whatever that means. What do you define it as? <laughs> Just the title? Like, or what the concept. Uh, um, Love, let go, let God. Um, like to realize that not everything is in your control and that do your best and obviously put in effort, but, but like trust that, you know, you have a connection with Hashem and it'll all work out. Mm-hmm. So kind of that partnership, I would say. Great. So trust, letting go of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What else? Great. I usually think about the common saying, um, it'll come to you when you're not looking. Mm. So it's kind of like you put your intention out and then you just do your own thing and like don't worry about it mm-hmm. and like hope that this Hashem will bring it to you in the right time in the right place. Right. So it's like not worrying. Yes. And just like having an intention. So it's not about being passive. It's not about being passive and doing nothing. It's like having an intention but then letting go of it. So there's something about letting, having it and letting go at the same time. It's like mm. a, yeah. What else? Nicole, yeah, I mean, she said it beautifully, but I get that's like what I like the way I live my life, I guess. Like, I always try my best to go in the direction that I want, but always with the understanding that that Hashem already has a plan. So I kind of just like do my best to keep to do, I don't know, whatever it is that I need to do to stay on that track, right? It's amazing because it's. what I find we do is we oscillate between those two realities of Mm -hmm. trusting that God's in my life and and then also then me doing it and having to do it. I feel like we go back and forth oscillating between these two awarenesses. And it's interesting because they say women are particularly, particularly good at multitasking. (laughs) And we're very good at it, in fact. You know, have you ever tried uh, to talk to a man while they're on the phone doing something? (laughs) It literally literally doesn't work. They're like one minute and they're like finish and they come back. So on one hand, that you could say that's that's not as efficient, but um, and obviously there's men and women who can't who are, who defy that kind of uh, pattern. But um, but at the same time, what they found in studies was that women aren't really multitasking, or people aren't multitasking. They're going back and forth between two realities very very quickly. So they're dipping in and doing one, and then dipping in and do the other, and they can just go back and forth really really quickly. And women, guys, I think we're very good at connection and interconnection, you know, and, and relationships. We're very good at going back and forth very very quickly. That's all. Um, which they found obviously over time, as we know, actually reduces your efficiency and reduces your ability to, you know, to connect in a deep way and to cover all the, you miss details and you can miss all sorts of, at the end of the day, long term, it's not actually so helpful. Um, but it's interesting because it, when you were speaking just now, that's what it reminds me of is the, is the oscillating back. Of, oh yeah, I believe in God. Oh my gosh, I feel God. God loves me. I love God. Like, great, wonderful, wonderful. And then you look at your, a snapshot in your own life. I don't know about you, but for me, and I ain't acting like there's a God. Like, I'm like, my gosh, what's this traffic? Ah, right? Like, I'm so stressful. I missed the train. Like, I'm worrying. I'm not trusting. I'm, if, yeah, like you take snapshots of yourself through the day and you absolutely are not acting as if there's a God. So we're, at, we're oscillating between these two realities. Yeah. And obviously this is a normal, normal thing. And the goal <laughs> is to get to a point where you can integrate this knowing, this awareness into your actual internalized state, which takes a lifetime, right? And that's what we call in Judaism. Does anyone know what that is? That's called? 
the journey or the? It is the journey, but the, the uh, let me phrase it better, the, the state of integration of living with trust in God. Bitzachon, right. Bitzachon is the state of living as if you're believing God. The, the idea of believing in God, I have faith in a God, is called Emuna. Right? So Emuna is the faith in God. I believe there's a God. I absolutely believe 100% there is God. That's my belief. But Bitzachon is the actual living with it, as if I looked into your life in a snapshot and I would see that you, you're living as if you believe in God. Versus you're living as if you're oscillating back and forth and you don't believe in right? I'm worrying, I'm not trusting, it's all on my shoulders, I'm in control, I'm a control freak, right? You want to control everything. And it's very stressful to live like, like that. It's very stressful and that's how the majority of the world obviously lives, right? It's a very high level to really truly live with bitachon. Um, you know, in our, in our community, unfortunately, there was a tragedy uh, literally the day before uh, the last days in Passover in Holomoe where a, a bride and a groom were killed in a car accident together at the same time. The car went... Uh, do you hear about this on the news? Yeah. yeah. The car went into flames. Two people were drunk driving, drag racing at one in the morning. It was horrendous. I mean, the whole community was, was really torn up. Tragic, tragic, beautiful couple. And um, the father showed such greatness when he got up at the funeral and such bitachon, like such in that moment, in the grief, not denying the grief. Denial is not what we're talking about. In the grief, but at the same time, I trust that this is what God wants, right? It's holding both. The, the, the sadness, bitzachon doesn't mean going around going, okay, baruch Hashem, right? Great, thank God, right? That's called denial. There's a denial there. That's why people like that, I can't handle it. Because there's, there's not a connection to truth. There's not a connection to your deeper self. There's not a connection to the reality. Because people hear there's an ideal to walk around trusting in God. Everything happens for a reason. So if that's the case, I should be besimcha, happy all the time, right? That's what, that's what, because there is, there is discussion like that, but that's not what it looks like. And you know it. You can feel it even if you don't have the right words for it. Right? But when someone gets up like this at a tragedy and has such greatness and says, you know, that this is a time where I know that my children, the children were taken for a reason. Hashem wants them back. <coughs> for some reason, we don't know. We don't know why. It's a tragedy. We don't know why. And I trust that there's a bigger reason for it. Yeah. And that, that's where you get to see godless greatness in action. When you see people in these heightened moments of either tragedy or euphoria, either one. Right? And they... And they can really stand there in that place. And sometimes I think, I mean, God forbid, because you don't want it to happen to anyone, but sometimes I think those people are chosen to be in that role because it's so public and people see what a state like that looks like. I mean, the other, other one that comes to mind was one of the mothers of the kidnapped boys in Israel who were kidnapped and killed. And the mother stood there saying like her, her child was taken for Kalis, for, for the Jewish people, he was taken like a sacrifice. You know, a righteous person is taken sometimes to save the Jewish people from something else bad that happened. And she knew that, and she knew it as she was standing there. And she still was in her grief and connected and, and at the same time could hold a bigger picture. That's what bitachon looks like. That's what this trust looks like. And so in order to expand consciousness, I have to do, do in order to expand this, have this greatness of vision, let's say, right, to let go, let God, I mean, that's just what it looks like in, when, you're, when you're in the most excruciating state. Yeah, we, this, through our day, we have all sorts of things that don't go our way, that we get little opportunities to flex this muscle called bitachon, called trust, where we get to practice this muscle. And 
what does it look like and how, how would it look with someone who has it, right? That's what I often think. And um, there's different ways to expand consciousness. One way is to connect to the bigger picture. There's bigger picture going on as opposed to just my narrow life of my little world. Sometimes we get stuck in our little world and it's just me. It's just what I want to do and then it doesn't happen the way I want it to and then I can't handle it, right? That's how a lot of people operate versus connecting to the bigger picture that I'm a little cog in a wheel or I'm a little chapter in a book, in a volume of books. I have no idea what came before. I have no idea what came after me, but I'm here in this moment and when things don't happen the way I want them to, it's because something else needs to happen that's bigger than me. Something else is happening that's bigger than me. There is a reason for this that I just don't know, right? Which is more clo is closer to the truth. <coughs> so it's expanding somehow to the bigger picture and knowing what that, that, there, that there is a bigger picture and like what does Judaism say about it and what is, right? This is, this is one way of expanding consciousness. But that's not enough because you can't just do that intellectually. You have to do it also within yourself. So another way of expanding consciousness is to deepen your connection to you. Sometimes you're not even aware of what you feel and think, right? Sometimes you, you have certain thoughts in your head, but you're not aware of a whole layers and layers underneath in your own sense of being and, and who you are. You don't even know what you feel and think sometimes. So how, you're, you're operating from a very small part of you, right? So you can only connect to the bigger picture from, the, from as much as you're connected to yourself. Does that make sense? Same with your relationship to others. Same with your relationship to God. You can only have the quality of relationship, <coughs> yeah, which trust is a fundamental part of. Trust with anyone, yourself, others, and God. Right? Trust is a fundamental part. You can only have trust if you have a connection to the, to the depth that you have a connection with yourself, right? And, and a trust with yourself and an understanding of yourself. If, I'm, if I only know a little <coughs> bit about myself, like I'm not really self-aware at all. You know these types of people. You, none of you are like that because you're all here. Right, but there's people who have literally no awareness of themselves. Right, it's not, maybe it's not their fault even. Right, they just don't have any awareness. They're very limited in their ability to re to relate to each other. They're very because there's no consciousness, there's no awareness. Right, there's no awareness of of responsibility, of reaction. Is anyone hot? Yes. We did this last time. Yeah. I remember. It was a hot right. I remember that. No, but I see everyone getting sleepy and tired. A little. I'm gonna put it on cool, not not free. But if it's too cold. You, especially you front people to let me know it's on 70 come on um now it's 68 wait is that su is that sunny um mode uh-oh that's that's rain i don't know what that means okay that'll do um Okay, so the important thing is to be able to go deep in yourself. So what I thought would be interesting would be even to do a two-part series if, it, if we want to do more, because it's such a big topic. It's a huge, you can spend your whole life on this topic. Is to do this, this class on going deeper into yourself in letting go, letting God and understanding who you are. And the next time we meet, which is going to be in two weeks now, we up, we up this to every two weeks. Did you know this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we had a vote last time. Everyone said, yeah, to every two weeks. And you don't think you have to come every two weeks, but we thought there'd be enough people interested. Um, the next time we'll do more about um, exploring the relationship with Hashem as far as that bitachon, which I found these amazing, amazing, amazing books that I bought 20 or 30 of so we could all have them by the Chofetz Chaim Foundation. Um, and it's literally how to master life's challenges with Imuna and bitachon. 
So if there was enough interest, we could even start a separate, you know, it's, it's all in English, but with sources, and it's awesome, just on this topic. So I thought we could do a Let Go, Let, go, let God, Chabura group, you know, not on the meditation night, but even another night, maybe, if there was interest. But next time we meet, I think we'll go into this with more about connecting to God and trust and faith, which is what we just highlighted now. And today I wanted to do more of um, that you can't even get to this. I believe, personally, to any real level until you're aware firstly here. The first place is between me and myself, right? So, um, obviously you can't do it all in one, in one session. But as some of you remember, I put this up on a, on a big board. I didn't, I didn't have time to get it out. This is, um, this is psychobabble. It's not, it's not Torah, meaning this comes from a psychology background. Um, hi, Henry. Um, this is just like a little you know, outline that in our brain, there's a conscious part of our mind, and this is the part that we're aware of, right? As you can see, it's very small. It's very small. The conscious mind is where it's what you, what you think about yourself, it's how you project yourself to others, it's what you remember consciously, it's what you know about who you are, right? It's the conscious mind, it's the memories you remember consciously, good times, you know, those kind of things. But it's, a very, it's like the, literally the tip of an iceberg. And so most people walk around with a tiny, tiny little tip that they're aware of, and they're walking around life like that. And there's this whole deeper awareness there going on that actually drives you, and you have no awareness of it, right? So it's very hard to really let go, let God, when there's a whole part of you that's completely out of your awareness, and that you don't have control about, and you have, it brings up feelings, and it ha you have certain reactions to things, and there's a subconscious part of you, which you've heard of the subconscious, that is where all your memories and, and everything is in there, but you're not necessarily aware of it, right? It's in, it, every, everything you've experienced is stored in your subconscious on some level, but obviously we couldn't go around our life thinking about every single thing we've ever experienced. We would be overwhelmed and flooded, so there's a certain level of subconsciousness that I think is a, is a defense mechanism that God created. It's actually quite amazing. The blessings, there's blessings in amnesia and there's blessings in memory. Right? And having the exact dose of either, this is all in Chavos Lavavos, Duties of the Heart, having, which is about trust and having faith in God, right? it's a, it's a Musser book, is about, um, it's protection. You know? So when something traumatic can happen to someone, often one of the common reactions is amnesia. Right? I don't want to remember it, so I suppress it, I push it away. Now, it doesn't have to be traumatic, it could be anything. Right? It could be anything stored in there. This is the space that we, we tap into with when we dream. When we dream, it's your subconscious coming out and processing in your dreams. Um, often it's, it could be stuff that you've just experienced that day or read late at night. You know, I, um, I, watched, I watched something on Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk. I don't even know of him, a business entrepreneur, and I, I dreamt of him the whole night. I woke up and went, oh my gosh, like, I dreamt I had conversations with him about my business, like, all sorts of crazy stuff. Like, so sometimes it's the last thing you, the last thing that you, you watched and whatever, but other times it's actually stuff deep in your subconscious that's trying to process or something going on in your life that you're trying to work out. Um, and it's often parts of yourself internally projected into your dream. Yeah? So, so the subconscious realm is also the realm of meditation, which is what we're going to tap into. That's why if you feel the room now, if you just like feel what the room feels like and then you feel the room at the end of tonight, it feels completely different, right? Because you just... You drop into yourself in a deep way. Yeah. Um, if, if you are dreaming about someone in your childhood that you have no emotional connection to or don't really care that much about, but they're 
very front and center of the terrain, were like very supporting. Does that actually mean something, or are they just random people that are just extras? Firstly, we don't believe in random, generally. Okay. Um, secondly, I mean, unless you just spoke to them or heard about them before you went to bed and it was in your head. If you feel it's, sometimes you get a feeling when it's a dream that you're processing something, you know, that feeling where you know it meant something. You might not know exactly what it meant, but you know it meant something. So you can ask yourself, I wouldn't know the answer to that, only you would know the answer to that. But if you ask yourself, what are the first three qualities that pop into my mind when I think of that person? What do I associate with that person? What qualities? <coughs> right? And you would say, da, da, da. First ones that pop in, not deep analysis. Just first things that pop in. I associate them with this kind of personality, this, the, the, this type of person. So then they can be that part of you. And they play out parts of you. It's not really about that person literally. The, the dreams are never literal. Dreams come from the right brain, so to speak. It's subconscious, but it's like right brain. It's the creative side. It's the abstract. And conscious mind is much more left brain, which is more masculine focused, right? Right brain is more feminine. So if you want to look at masculine, feminine, how it fits together, left brain is masculine, much more focused, much more directed analysis. Let me break it down. Right brain is much more feminine, much more abstract, creative, works in symbols, visions, yeah, like a dream. And you need both masculine and feminine to come together, the yin-yang, this is the whole idea, right? <coughs> Unconscious is more... Wait, so uh, subconscious is where, like dreams, meditation, hypnosis. When people get hypnotized, they also go into the same state of subconscious. It really what it is is a state of deep relaxation where your brain waves slow right down and you can access deeper parts of yourself. When you're conscious, it kind of snaps off, if that makes sense. If you're in a conscious, I, told, I think I said this once, that when you can, if you can get into a meditative state, you can get down to a delta brainwave level and it's deeper, it can be deeper than a deeper sleep that you can have. So if you can get into a meditative state within, say, 15 to 20 minutes where you're really, really still, it's more powerful than a power nap in the middle of the day as far as rejuvenating. That's a side benefit. It's a physical benefit, right? But like they found that with electrodes, they, they found that these, these kind of results... makes sense, but these kind of results happen. Okay, unconscious is more like, again, we don't have ever, ever awareness of. It can be like from a coma or something when you're literally out. So we're, ma we're mainly more wor worried about these two realms here. And obviously, as you become more aware, this is... All these dots are, the, are your memories. They float up to the surface as you become more conscious of them. And then this line drops down. So as this line drops down, your conscious mind then becomes bigger and you expand in your consciousness. Yes? Mm -hmm. That's what we're going for in life in general. We're looking to expand our consciousness in order to have a bigger sense of of my eye is bigger than just me. I expand my eye and I'm a, I expand my picture. I expand my relationships. I expand my ability to relate, my ability to relate, and the ability <coughs> to let go. I can let go the bigger I am, so to speak, right? It's only a very big person that, let, that can let go <coughs> and live in that place. You can't fake it. You know, you can't fake bitakon. You can't fake trust in the sense of trust, in the sense of expansion. Right, of including God in your life, including you can only include another person in your life if you're not just full of yourself. Right? So people say, Oh, they're so full of themselves. So they're so full of themselves, they're so narrow and they're so full of themselves, no space, there's no room for anyone else in their life. Whether it's another person, whether it's God, right? God's like another being, you're having a relationship. So I can only let go, let God if I A believe in God, B want to work with that belief, C allow space for God in my life, D, right? Notice when I don't do it, bring consciousness to that relationship. And it's the same with any other real relationship. I can only really 
have a good relationship with someone if I trust them, if I make space for them, if I step out of myself, if I bring consciousness to the relationship, if I take responsibility. It makes sense. It's the same thing. Yes? Okay. I'll give you a little... Sometimes what happens is, though, you, you can have moments of these, this trust where you did get into a state of trust or what we also call surrender, I guess, where you surrender, where you have this intention but you let go. That's what kind of... It's called... It's, I guess I call it a place of surrender. I'm not passive or submissive and I'm not aggressive and in control. I'm in a place of active participation but I'm surrendered to an outcome, right? Which is always a test, by, by the way. Whenever you're in a crunch in your life and you're stressed out and you say, what does God want from me? What am I meant to do here? What is the, what is the test for me in this situation? I guarantee you without knowing the details, it spits up on us, this exact state. How do I be engaged and active, not give up, not take control? How do I be in my life and still be surrendered to a bigger picture and like still know that there's a bigger picture, still let God be in control, not me in control? How do I be in my life, not be passive and give up and say, I can't do this, it's too hard? Right? I give up, or how do I? There are two options, by the way. We usually give up or try and take control. They're the two. They're the, and they're exactly the same as far as their level of consciousness and their level of evolution. The same. Whether you give up or whether you take control, it's your same level of of of, of spiritual development. Let's say surrender is a much higher state, much harder, and we try and get back. Sometimes you get glimmers into the state when you know you did the right, like you know you got it, and you're like, oh, I want to do it more. I don't know how to do it. Right? And you get these glimmers in your life. So I'll just share a little story with you before we go into the meditation part. This was years ago, and I didn't even know if there was a God. So it's not based on whether you, how much you believe in God or not believe in God or how much how observant you are. Or not, it's got nothing to do with that, right? God just wants you to connect. And um, I don't, did I tell you this story? No. Where I was working with another therapist. It had nothing to do with Judaism. I was totally not even into anything Jewish. I was working with homeless kids and we were preparing a big presentation for a huge conference. And um, he was really, really late in getting this conference in and we had a deadline to get it in by and it was a huge career move. I was in my early 20s and, and I was, you know, it, was a big, um, it was a big decision. And I was doing a ton of work and I couldn't get hold of him. And I had no reason not to really trust him, but I couldn't get hold of him. I should say, I can say it with all the girls, I was, we were dating as well. And so I had no reason not to trust but I couldn't get hold of him. I was getting more and more anxious, more and more worried, more and more, right? At that point, I didn't even know if it was a God, but I knew something bigger was running the show. Like, I, I believed that there was probably a bigger force, a bigger energy, a bigger being. I didn't know what it was, but like, that something bigger is running the show. And, but I wasn't living with it in my day-to-day -day life so regularly, right? And I started getting worried because if we didn't get it in by the deadline, we can't present at this huge conference. It was on drug and alcohol therapy for street kids and I was working as a psychologist. With, it was like my first big job and it was a big deal. that we had, We'd had done an experiential modality in the wilderness with these homeless kids and it really was powerful and we were trying to present the results. It was a big deal. And, um, and he wasn't answering. And I was calling and calling and calling. I called about, I would say, 9, 10, 11 times. You know, when you, like you, get, you look a little psycho, right? Like you're, you're going like... And I was just all for my anxiety, right? I was completely in control mode. I, and I, I was talking about narrow, talk about anxious, talk about... And I kept calling, calling, calling. At some point, I got so wound up into, into knots. And I knew this is not how it's meant to look. I knew how this is... This is not what it's meant to be. This is not helpful. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to affect anything. And I remember just saying aloud, which I didn't usually do. I said aloud to God, not knowing it's called, it's called God, so to speak. 
I said, this is ridiculous. Because I was so upset with myself for calling and being one of those like <laughs> stalkers, right? I, I, something told me I could, something, something was up and I didn't know why. It was a gut instinct. Something was up and I didn't know what it was. And I said, if there's something you want me to know, I said to God, you'll let me know. But I can't do this anymore. I, I, I hand it over to you. And I literally felt this amazing feeling, which I wish I could feel any time when I want to now. But I remember this feeling very, very clearly of just literally handing over my worry to something bigger, to God. Literally, just going, I, I can't do this anymore. And I literally let go, let go, let God, literally. And I said, I literally cannot do this anymore. This is crazy. Uh, if there's something you want me to know, you'll let me know. And I remember truly letting it go. Like, you can't fake it. I really did let it go, and I let go. I said, I'm just going to get on with it. I'll do my thing and whatever. If it, if it happens by the end of the day, it happens. About, I don't know how long, literally minutes later, my phone rang, and it was him. And I was like, like, this is like so weird, right? And I remember answering and like, hello. And there was no one on the phone. And I was like, hello, hello. No one on the phone. And then I realized I could hear where he was. And he was in a bar. And his phone had called my phone by accident in his pocket at that moment. And he was on the, I heard the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. He was on, the, on the, the poker machines. And I found out he had a gambling addiction that I didn't know about at all. And he was sitting there in the middle of this incredibly intense day that we had, which obviously the pressure was too much for him, so he wanted to escape. And he was gambling. And I was so horrified and thrilled at the same time, literally, but I felt both very strong emotions at the same time of absolute horror. I think, I think it was more thrilled because I was so thrilled that I had a best friend like above that showed me in that moment what was going on as soon as I relied on him. As soon as I gave it over and said, if you want me to know something, you'll let me know. I didn't know if, he would, if I would ever know anything, but I really truly in that moment let go. And within minutes, it allowed space for God to come into my life and do something I could never do myself. And I sat there on the phone going, <gasps> you know. And at some point, he realized his phone had called my phone. And he said all sorts of words I can't repeat. And he hung up on me. Didn't say hello. And uh, I texted him and said, you know, it makes me really sad that you need to do this. Please call me when you're done. And... Uh, you know, we, we broke up very soon after that, obviously. But I'm saying, you know, it was, it, was not, it was not a good situation. It was a whole level of him. And talk about the subconscious, a whole level I did not know about, right? But the, the, that was a life-changing, transformative moment where I had my first big relationship moment with God where I realized, whoa, he really does come through for you when you rely on him, yeah? Now, if I do it every single time exactly like that, would it happen exactly the same way? No, because that's not what I, I needed that at the time, obviously. And that was the catapult for me to really explore my relationship with God at that time in a serious way. There really is something bigger. I knew that that was just crazy. All right, that was crazy. I don't know what it is, but I have to explore it at least and take it seriously. That's where it led me. Yeah. Sorry. The guy you were dating, he was supposed to come to the, to your, the event you were planning? He was co-presenting with me. No, 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 excuse me. It's interesting because like... Co-presenting. Oh, sorry, I didn't say that maybe. I didn't say that piece. He was really... It was a co-therapist and was presenting it. We ran these trips, the programs together. Yeah. No, it's just interesting because like you lost a relationship with him and then you gained one with Right. So ideally you wouldn't want to have to lose but one or the other. Right. But like mm -hmm. in this situation, this wasn't good for me and I didn't know about right. it. And when I relied on God, he showed me. 
But that was your like, was that your, your like stepping stone to like? One of them. I had many of those. Like, obviously, I needed a lot of yeah, like yeah. a lot of wake yeah. up. So I was like, hello, hello, hello. Right. <laughs> <laughs> a, I could go on and on. We could. Tell, I'll spread it through the classes at different points. Yeah. That's no, so, uh, Jamie. Oh, so in the end, yeah. like last second, like I did most of it and he came through and then we so presented. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we presented. We went to the conference. Okay. We presented, but like from our relationship point of view, that was like a breakdown, obviously, of trust. It was a breakdown of trust there, but I gained trust somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. But he, he would have let me down anyway at yeah. some point because yeah. it wasn't in, he wasn't capable at that point. Okay, so have anyone heard of Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson? Yes? Have you heard? <laughs> Obsessed, okay. Anyone else? In a healthy, healthy way. Um, okay, he, he writes a beautiful, beautiful idea that's exactly this idea. I highly recommend you to, to read. I'm not going to read the article, but I want to I highlight some things which leads into our meditation. Um, there's a story of Yaakov, Jacob, who flees Canaan, Israel, and he goes to... Laban, right? And he meets Rachel, his first wife, Rachel, his uh, first wife that he wants to marry, and he falls in love with her. And she's gorgeous, and she's everything he ever dreamed of since he was little. And he, right? Have you heard the story? Yes, yes, no? And he wants to marry his first wife. And um, her father, Laban, says, okay, no problem. Um, Stay and work for me for seven years, and you can marry her. And he says, no problem, she's worth it, she's worth it, she's gorgeous, she's amazing on every level, like, oh, this is my dream girl. <laughs> so she, you like in this commentary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm, try, I'm trying to put myself in Yaakov's <laughs> position, right? And then, and then seven years he works for her, and finally Lavan says, you can marry her. Great. So they set up the wedding, and Lavan switches her with his sister, with her sister, sorry, Rachel's sister, Leah. Leah's not as pretty, she's more quiet and introverted, more complex she's less like perky and fun right and he doesn't realize because at the wedding her head's covered they get married they're switched at the wedding i'm, I'm going to fast track through it there's many levels of the story and whatever we're not going to go there but i want to get to the main if the icker of this the main thing of this he's he's she's levan switches for leia leia was harder to marry off so put leia there first and that night, they go straight from the wedding and consummate the marriage, and he doesn't realize, and then he's married to her, right? He's married. I know, don't, don't be literal with me practically, but, like, basically, they're, they're married, and he realizes the next day that he's married a different person, right? So the betrayal, the, the heart-wrenching, and Levan says to him, you can have Rachel, but you have to work another seven years for her. So he says, okay, it's worth it. And he has Leah. Now, Leah is known as his hate, the hated wife, right? She, he doesn't want to be married to Leah. And Rachel is the beautiful wife. And he, mar- he works another seven years and he marries Rachel and he has Rachel and Leah. And through them and their maidservants, they actually bore the, the, uh, the tribes, right? The 12 tribes. And that's how the Jewish people start. Okay? That's the very, very short version. Mm-hmm. A few questions arise from this. The, the actual source is here. Um, Genesis 29. Gracious. Right, and I'll just read in English. And, and Jacob cohabited with Rachel also. Indeed, he loved Rachel more than Leah. This is after they're married to both. And he served Lavan another seven years. The God saw that Leah was unloved and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. She couldn't have children. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Ruvain, for she declared it means the Lord has seen my affliction from Ra'er, see, to see. 
It also means now my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bore a son and declared this is because God heard that I was unloved and has given me this one also. And she named him Shimon, right? To hear that God heard me. So, okay, very interesting. Um, it's one of the most intriguing stories of all time because it doesn't... It, it, it's, it's, some, it's got some profound ideas about relationships and love. But there's a simple question that doesn't make sense. That Yaakov, Jacob, was one of the forefathers, right? He was one of our forefathers. He was one of the most righteous people. How could he hate someone? It doesn't, it's a very, like, how could he hate someone? It doesn't make sense, right? We understand how he could hate someone. But Yaakov was a forefather. He was one of the most holy men around. And he hated Leah, it says, Right? So one of the questions is, how could he hate, right? And, how could, and if he did hate her for some reason, he could have divorced her. Divorce is legitimate in the Torah, right? He could have divorced her, especially if he was married under false precepts, right? So what's going on here? Um, so the deeper idea is, this is just mind-blowing to, to me. In the Zohar, again, going more Kabbalistic, in every level with the text, you can learn the simple meaning, the Pshat. You can learn a deeper interpretation of the Remez. Right? And the drush and then the sod is the secret. So Zohar is connected more to the secrets. Leah and Rachel are described as the hidden world and the revealed world. Leah was far deeper than Rachel. While Rachel represents our conscious self. Yeah, Rachel represents our conscious self. The self that's projected, manifested, expressed in articulated emotion, emotions and words that we identify with. And Leah represents the unconscious or the subconscious self. The components of our identity that are hidden from the surface of our conscious experiences. We each have our Rachel and Leah within ourselves. And within our spouses, and within children, and within our parents, and within our friends. Right? Every person you're in touch with has a Rachel and a Leah, and they play out on different levels. And of course, in our experience of God, you can even project your subconscious experiences onto God. Rachel, Rachel, symbolizes the dimensions of yourself that you can make sense of, that you get, right? That you comprehend, you appreciate, you can control them, (coughs) your beliefs, your expectations, things you can wrap your brain around, that you're comfortable with, that you're proud of, you can categorize them, you can classify them. The patterns, you see the patterns and the structures, why I do this, I do that that way, because of that way, I think that came from that, right? We, if you go to most therapists nowadays, I'm just speaking like off the record as a therapist, if you go to most therapists, they mostly stay within this realm. They mostly stay within the Ruffle realm, mostly. They might be able to have a deeper insight into some things, but it's mostly within the Rachel realm, which is why most therapists at best are very loving, well-meaning people who are well-intentioned but don't have a huge effect necessarily. They could be good as far as offloading and counselling and, and uh, you can feel better because you're talking to someone, you can get a bit of insight for sure, but it stays relatively here. There's very few therapists who are very skilled at going into the deeper subconscious and have more profound effect. I mean, when you find them, you hold on to them and you don't let go, right? So... I found a few of those in my lifetime where I found to refer people and it's just night and day. Literally. Um, Leia, he says, oh my God, represents the components of you, the components of your spouse and your friends and your parents that challenge you, 
the aspects that force you to reevaluate everything about yourself and who you are and what kind of friend you are and what kind of daughter you are and what kind of spouse you could be. The dimensions of your identity that you have long ago repressed and they shock you. Leia embodies the aspects of yourself that you cannot make sense of. The parts you don't want to see, that even maybe you got a glimmer once or twice, or someone pointed something out to you and you didn't want to acknowledge it. And you're like, no way, no, no. And you got really, really defensive. Like the more defensive you get, the more it's sort of pointing out that it's like coming up from the subconscious, right? Someone points something out, you're not ready to see it. You're like, no, and you push it away, right? You don't, because you don't want to see it. Rachel is naturally lovable. Leia is naturally hated, right? Leia was the hated wife. Rachel was the love. She's the love of my life. Why is the question. And here's a stunning observation. People hate what they don't understand. People hate what they're not in control of. People hate the unknown. Now that's a problem if we're talking about let go, let God, because the whole experience of that is when you're in the unknown, when you don't know what's going to come. That's, that's, the, that's the moment. That's it. That's the moment. When you're in that moment of the unknown, that's when you have to let go, let God. So if you're not okay with the unknown, whether it's in you, whether it's in others, whether it's in your life, then you are never going to expand that consciousness. You're never going to be able to get there. You're never going to be able to have that connection. You hear? This is crucial to everything. People recoil from that which they can't wrap their brains around. They fear what they can't conquer. They loathe what they can't control. Oh, I hate that, right? Think about when you say, I hate that person. When you're little and you don't have control and your parents do something you don't want to do, do you remember ever feeling like, oh, I hate it, right? You, just, you don't hate them. You just hate that you're not in control. You hate that you can't have the outcome. We, we hate when we can't control stuff. But I appreciate, love, and enjoy that which I can assimilate into the modalities and structures of my identity. I can fit it into my nice little box. Right? When I'm faced with a reality that defies my comfort zone, it triggers a deep unrest in me. It scares and overwhelms me. When I'm confronted with something I don't want to see or I don't know about, all of a sudden it challenges my, thought, my perception of myself. Who am I? Who, I, who do I think I was? Maybe I'm not that person, so what does that make me? Who am I? I don't know who I... I remember moments when I was starting to change my life in an observant Jewish way from a completely, completely secular, non-observant way, and my whole life was starting to change slowly, very, like, in the right way, but I remember feeling moments of like, oh, this is not what I thought I would be at all, ever in a million years. Never. I totally, totally had repressed and disowned my Judaism, completely, 100%. My father was a Holocaust survivor. So, like, I don't want to know anything about it. Thank you very much. Talk about subconscious, right? Feeling, feeling smaller and less than because of it. So I don't, I will pretend it won't exist. I will literally pretend I'm not Jewish. That's what I made a decision when I was very little knowing nothing about Judaism, right? But I absorbed it from my father because to be Jewish meant death. So even my, his experiences, there's a whole other thing about absorbing your parents' experiences, by the way. I won't even go there. Let's just work with us right now. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But it rattles everything that you come to know about yourself and it makes me feel vulnerable. It forces me to give up control. Leia informs me. The Leia part of me informs me, my subconscious, of how much I have been blacking out of my system in order to survive. Which is, by the way, an amazing defense mechanism. Your body has to do that to cope when you're little. But when you get bigger, you become more able to handle everything. 
So what do I do with all of this? I hate it. I hate it. That's why I hate it. That allows me to ignore it and move on. Now I can move on. I don't have to look at it because I hate it. You hear? It's a very powerful defense. The resistance in the form of hate allows me to ignore truth. The resistance in the form of hate <laughs> allows me to ignore truth. And usually, usually, I don't like the truth about what? About what I'm feeling inside myself. Yes? Okay. Jacob chooses to marry Rachel, but in the process he marries Leah. You hear this? Each of us marries two people, Leah and Rachel. Our conscious self marries our conscious spouse. Our unconscious self marries our unconscious spouse. One spouse we love, one other frustrates us, and so too with us internally as well. I can either just be connected to my conscious self or I could be also connected to my subconscious self, just like we pointed out. So Jacob understood this and slowly he learnt to appreciate, respect, and love Leah. We too must discover this ability within ourselves. Those aspects in your life that you run away from the most may contain the deepest tikkunin, the deepest healing, the deepest opportunity. Those aspects that irk you the most about yourself may hold the secret to a recovery. Okay. Interestingly, in this verse I read to you, it says, And God saw that Leah was hated, so he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Yes? It's often that which we're so afraid of that allows us to give birth to our deepest soul powers. Right? That's where the deepest power is. And from surrounding yourself only with things and people that make you feel in control, you remain barren. There's no growth. There's no birth. There's no potential. By exposing yourself to the unknown, you can give birth to infinity. So with that, let's do a meditation. It's quite a, it's quite a, it's quite a perspective, huh? What? Does this freak everyone out? Everyone looks a little bit freaked out. No? You are a little bit freaked out? Well, the part that freaks me out was when you said that our unconscious part of ourselves marries their unconscious part of ourselves like now do I need to find someone who's compatible with me unconsciously also no because, <laughs> no because you can't because you're not in control so that's the exact the exact freaky thing is that you're not in control and you will never know until you're in the marriage and then you have to work it through that's what Yaakov learnt to do he learnt to love that part that is surprising and you can only meet it in surprise you can't meet it head on it has to come through as a back door because the subconscious is not full frontal. You don't have control of it. You're not conscious of it. So you're, you're going to... I remember a rabbi once told me this. It did scare me a little bit. He said, you're only going to marry someone. You're only going to marry... When you marry someone, you're only going to know like 15 to 20% of them. And I was like, well, what's the rest? And it's basically this triangle. It's basically that the rest is that under, you just don't know. But you're committing what you see as much as you see. Okay, but Hashem is the one that reveals certain things to you to know. It's not like it's a deception. That is the reality. That's what we're meant to work through and there is a meant to be there. You're meant to work with through those tikkunim, those healings, those, those growth spirits with that person. But that's why this whole Hollywood facade is ridiculous, right? Of like, it's all perfect, it's wonderful, I'm in love. And then when I don't feel this in love feeling, that's, that's it, I feel out of love, I've got to move on. Like it's just so, okay. So did Yaakov, to, did he learn to love? Both of them. So yes. Equally. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I, I don't know. If they equal, are. He did. Hundred percent. He, he embraced all of it. And so, thank you, Jackie. That's a very good point. The goal, 
is to open a bigger consciousness in ourselves to just be aware and embrace all of ourselves that come up, everything that comes up. It's not about fixing it. It's not about analyzing. It's not about changing. It's not about trying to focus on it. It's not about judging it, which is what most people do, especially if stuff comes up in a meditation. Most of the time, oh my gosh, that's bad. Oh my gosh, that's ter- why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling that? Uh, that's, is that good? Is that bad? Often we've got that whole critical analysis going on, which is really, really not helpful. That's the left brain. That's the critical. It's the conscious. That's not the goal. The goal now in meditation is to go into the feminine, which is just an open space. The feminine is an open space, right? Is, is, is more of an embrace. It's an acceptance. And most people are not used to doing that, especially in New York, right? Go, 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 push, push, push. <coughs> it's about dropping into a deeper place and just holding that space. It doesn't matter what comes up. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what I feel. Right now, I'm just holding a bigger space for myself. And that's what Yaakov did. Yaakov held, I was able to embrace both parts. And when you do that in yourself, so A, it allows a space for stuff to come up from your subconscious so that you become more conscious. If you don't want to see it really deep down, you don't want to see anything, you'll, you'll keep the lid on until Hashem decides that you're ready for dealing with it regardless and he'll just flip the lid out, right? Or he'll come up nicely first and just taps you on the shoulder. You know those taps? Hello, hello. And it gets louder and louder until you ignore and then at some point something happens mm-hmm. and either you have... You can't control yourself, you burst into tears, or you have a panic attack, or you go you have to take drink wine every night to ignore the feeling, or right? At some point, it opens you when you're ready, the process of life and God opens you up. Meaning, right? It, when you're ready, it just comes up because you're here on this planet to grow and become bigger as a as a consciousness. That's the, that's the point. So when you're ready, it will come up and it will move. And then, then that's your opportunity again to say, okay, I embrace this, I embrace this, this is good, this is good. It's going to lead me to a better place. People are so scared of feelings. They're so scared of, of, of having, they think that if I have a thought or a feeling, it means something about me. It means that I'm X, Y, Z. And I don't want to be X, Y, Z, so I can't have these feelings. It doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you have a feeling. And a feeling, when you embrace it and move it through, changes you. Right, just by the acceptance and embracing of something that you haven't been able to embrace and accept. Just that. You don't have to do anything with it. You don't have to fix it. Just the awareness and presence, Eckhart Tolle, power of now. We were talking about that before. This is where that truth comes in. You hear? But you hear the bigger context. We're talking about how these books sometimes they contain truth, but on their own they just hover in the middle of space without a context. And when you have the right context, they can be very powerful if you know where to put them. If you just be present with your feelings and yourself, great. But then you have to, okay, then you open a space and it moves through you and you can become bigger because you're not resisting and fighting and pushing it down or trying to control it or avoiding it or denial, right? We talked about before, you know, denial and, and uh, passive and aggression. They're both the same, two sides of the same coin. Okay. So with that in mind, it's really important just to know that whatever happens, happens. There's no right and wrong. There's nothing you have to do now, nothing you have to fix. We'll end by 15 minutes. Is that okay with everyone? Mm-hmm. And there's no, don't, this is about getting out of your left brain. So not forcing yourself to think of something, just allowing whatever it is to come up and there's no right and wrong. So it's like usually the first things that pop into you. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. Usually the first things that pop into your mind are the right things. Yes? Usually the first things that come into your mind are the right things. And, it's, and it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense to you at all. So this is not about making sense. Making sense is left brain. Yes? Right brain works with symbols, abstract, right? It doesn't make, have to make sense yet. Just be open and be aware. 
Are you cold? Can I turn off this? Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So get comfortable. Feel your feet on the ground. If you have phones on, please, please turn them off. <laughs> Please turn um, everyone's phone on silent. Yes, you're freezing. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Um, <laughs> please tell me, Nick. Please tell me. Please don't feel like you have to freeze. Um, okay. Feel your back against the chair in your own time. Close your eyes. Get comfortable. Take a deep breath. Just notice how your body feels when you close your eyes and just start to focus inward. Noticing your attention in the top of your head. Just allowing yourself to scan down your mind and your head and forehead. Choosing to let go of any tension. Moving down your face. Any effort can just be relaxed down into your neck all the way down into your shoulders letting go of any tension easily and effortlessly all the way down into your arms and the tips of your fingers moving all the way down into your chest and your stomach Letting go easily, effortlessly, just allowing yourself to be in this moment. Moving further down into your pelvis, to your legs. Allowing yourself to be here and now. Letting go of any tension down into your knees all the way down into your calves, into your ankles and the tips of your toes. Taking a deep breath in. And as you exhale, just letting yourself drift deeper and deeper and deeper into a still, calm, safe place, knowing that you are in control, you are safe, centered and at ease. Finding it easy to drift deeper and deeper and deeper into this safe, calm place. Accepting of whatever is. There's no right and there's no wrong. All is okay. All feelings, all thoughts, no effort, effortless, just allowing and noticing.
and just allowing any other noises around you. You notice they help you drift deeper and deeper. And it's in this place that also you notice that right here, right now, God is with you personally. Maybe you hadn't realized, hadn't noticed. But at this point you become aware there's a higher power, a higher being, creator, almighty, or however you refer to this higher being. And it's with you personally, lovingly, right here, right now in this moment, wanting the best for you, unconditionally, knowing all of you, even the parts that you don't know. And just notice how that feels when you notice that. There may or may not be a shift or a difference. And sitting here calmly that you also become aware that there are parts of you that you know well and parts of you that you don't know so well. And that that is okay. This is a new space of exploration and curiosity and acceptance. Just start welcoming, inviting, loving all these parts, our inner Rachel and inner Leah. With the idea of becoming more whole, more complete, more expanded in our consciousness and in our connection to ourselves and others and God. And with this loving, curious awareness and acceptance, you look up and see a house in front of you. There's something about this house, you notice the details, its height, its width, what it's made of, the color. Something about it draws you to it. So you get up and you move closer It intrigues you. Somehow it's familiar. You notice the front of the house and the yard or the pavement or whatever's there. And you start heading towards the front door. 
get to the front door. Reach out your hand and notice that it's unlocked. You just can't help it, it's calling you in. Go into the house. It feels safe, again, somehow familiar. Look around and see the walls, how it's decorated. What's there? Feels calm and peaceful. And ahead of you, you see some stairs going down. You choose to go down those stairs. And as you go down the stairs, it leads to some sort of basement or tunnel, down, 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 deep beneath the house. Again, feeling calm and safe, not strange, somehow familiar. As you go down and down and down to the house, down to the deep basement or whatever is underneath there, you reach the ground, you see a tunnel. Something's pulling you towards that tunnel. You start to walk towards it, go into the tunnel, and you see a small light at the very end. You move towards that light. As you get to that light, at the very end of the tunnel, you see there's another door. This time the door is locked. something about this door, you have to look inside. It's drawing you in, but you can't get in. You look around frantically, and with the help of the light you see on the floor by your foot a small key. Pick up the key, see if it's the right one, and you put it in the door your surprise it opens. You open the door and inside you notice the first thing that is in front of you. What is it? You go over to look more closely, curious and accepting. Notice the details, the texture, the color. What could be the meaning of this? You can ask your higher self, what does this represent for you? And just see what pops into your mind effortlessly. What does this represent for you, this thing that you found? It's okay also if you don't know. 
sometimes asking the question brings up a certain answer. Again, be curious. It can seem silly. It can <coughs> seem it doesn't make sense. It's fine. No right or wrong answer. What is this object that you saw and you found first? What does it mean for you? What does it represent? Symbolize. Just accept whatever pops into your head. And as you notice what that word is or what that concept is, just allow it to be there. <coughs> and as you look around the room, you notice another treasure box of some sort next to it further in. It could be a jewelry box, some sort of box. <coughs> and inside this box you have a knowing that it holds an answer for you about a part of yourself that you need to work on and need to accept and work with. Some secret, some answer that will be helpful in your growth, in your next steps. You go over to the box and you open it up and inside is a piece of paper written in gold and on that piece of paper is written a word that's a, either a part of you or a character trait, quality, an action, a relationship, something that is really important for you to become aware of. Just notice what that is. What's written on the piece of paper? What is it trying to show you? No judgment, just allowing, just being open, accepting. And with a sense of calm and thanks and gratitude, knowing that you can come here anytime, you can get answers, find wisdom and access wisdom within yourself whenever you want to drop down into a deeper space. Gently bringing this new knowledge and wisdom with you back slowly into this room. Five, feeling your feet on the ground. Four, feeling the chair underneath you. Three, taking a deep breath. Two, hearing my voice and the sounds around you. 
and one in your own time, gently opening your eyes, coming back into the room. the room. The room feels different, huh? How is that for people? <laughs> Was it some adjectives? Frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. I couldn't see what the paper said. Oh, interesting. I couldn't see like, what the paper was either. Ah, either. Anyone else? So frustrating. What was it? It was just blank? No. I, yes, it was blank. And so I kept like, it was like trial and error. I was like, oh, okay, like maybe I can write something on it. And mm. it just like, I would try a word and it wouldn't feel right. A different word, it wouldn't feel right. Okay. I but I didn't feel it. frustrated about it. Ah. <laughs> okay. It just was blank one. Okay. What about the that object? Some... What did you have? <laughs> no, I'm just saying means something maybe. Yeah, it does for sure. Your your subconscious didn't want to reveal something in that moment, which is fine. Mm. Yeah. My object was a wedding ring. Muscle time. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean to you? I thought it was like being one with God. Right. Um, is that it like could, there's no there's no external okay. I can't put an interpretation on your experience, but That's it's what, what it means to you. Does. Yeah, it's what it means to you. It could be, oh, I know it could. It could be. It could be. It could be married to yourself. It could be married to God. It could be. In, it could. But somehow it's about a bond. A marriage is a wedding ring is about a bond, right? So something about bond and connection. So I did two things there. One was visual, <coughs> because the the subconscious can speak to us. You re, you got the metaphor right of going down the house into your deep right, mm-hmm. opening your door that's locked, which is your subconscious. Um, and uh, not breaking it down, but finding the key and going in nicely, right? Um, but the object is sometimes our subconscious wants to speak in terms of symbolism, and sometimes it wants to. Did you get a? Did you get an object? Mm-hmm. You want to say? I know. Yeah. Well, that's why I was so frustrated with the paper was because I saw a baby, <coughs> and my sister is having a baby this month, God willing, and so. I like already feel so much responsibility over this baby because I'm I'm the older sister and like I don't necessarily want to feel that way so I was like oh cool like maybe the paper will help me feel better but it didn't didn't say anything right but that's your that's your conscious mind trying to make a whole story out of this you see <laughs> so it could be the conscious mind was starting to drive override mm-hmm. and rather than just allow it to come up from the subconscious which is good to know that's also a huge learning experience and very important like, oh, that's what it feels like. Let me try to just allow next time and not come in and interpret the whole story in the middle of it. Which is hard, by the way, because we're not used to doing that. Mm-hmm. So that's fine. It's also about, um, again, I, don't, I, I would guess the baby's not anything to do with your sister. It's to do with something to do with you. It's to do with, all of this is to do with you inside. Or it could be your sister having a baby brings up something in you about that. Um, 
and that's worth exploring you know again baby might not be a literal baby it might be about going back to purity renewal could be all sorts of things right what yeah the house huh the house is usually your inter- <coughs> internal world mm. in dreams and everything also i feel like similarly that in the sense that i almost feel like there's too much of my conscious self forcing right so that's like, good to notice that you now you get a sense how much of rachel how much Leia is it you know Rachel, it's Rachel. Is it Rachel? Yeah. Yeah, we, we like identify Rachel, with Rachel. Or is it? Much more strong. Rachel's <laughs> the, the one we want to be, the one we identify with. Everyone likes her. Leia's the one that's uncomfortable and it's not clear. I have to just like allow it. It's like, I'm, it's not, I don't know which way it's coming. I don't know what's going to be when I open the door. Yeah. Was anyone a little bit nervous or anxious about like, what am I going to find and what's going on here? And was anyone nervous about it? Like, was it scary? Yeah. I, I felt you were and I said coughing by the way is part of a defense mechanism usually coughing well, is a way like, but you won't cough, I know but the fact the yeah. timing of it um, is it's, it can be it might not have, it might not have come out as a cough today if you weren't sick so it's because you were sick it, it came out that way but yeah, the coughing meant until when? Like I wasn't coughing at all. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean by the timing. It's amazing. The subconscious mind is amazing. And it means it just means that like right now you didn't want to go there, which is fine. Again, no judgment. There's no judgment here. There's no right and wrong. Like all of this. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that like amazing? The, the body will do this to keep you like safe in a way. And like the more, <laughs> I don't want to get started quite a bit. The more, the more, it's okay. You don't have to go there. Like the more you explore and play with the edge the more you'll feel safe in that area but it's like the first time we just dropped into this you know like in meaning every time we meditate you don't realize this we drop into that place we drop into the subconscious every single time but we never did it with the conscious mind knowing what's going on this is the first time the conscious mind we've kind of told the conscious mind what we're going to do before and the conscious mind's like whoa 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 i'm in charge here what's going to happen I'm not sure I like this. That's what happens with the conscious mind. It gets scared, right? If the conscious mind's left out of it, the subconscious is fine, right? <coughs> so it's very, it's very, very useful to feel. So it's just like notice these parts of us. It's very like important. Yeah. Yeah. When we um, had to like open the door and it was locked, I started to feel like my heart racing, mm-hmm. and then because I'm reading the power of now. Um, he spoke about how like when you feel danger you feel stillness and like your mind stops like working for some reason and it's the freeze actually, response fight yeah. flight freeze yeah um and i it was such a nice feeling with like the mind just not like continually going and going like i felt like i finally had control of my mind usually my mind has control of me mm. so so you weren't just, scared I, I was like scared but at the same sense i kind of like that feeling like that I have the power now, like my, I don't know, like my mind didn't have it. Mm. I'm not working for my mind, my mind was starting to work for me. Which was the me? Me in the sense that like, even though I had no control as to what was going to happen, it kind Ah. of was a good danger. Oh, cool, that's literally the subconscious. That's Leia. Literally uh, the unknown, the the surprise, the not knowing what's gonna happen, (coughs) but it's good, but it's good. That's, that's 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 a good feeling. Yeah. That's not fear. It's not like a fight, flight, or freeze response then. Fight, flight, freeze is when I feel like my life's in danger and I want to run away, but I can't run away, so I freeze. Like animals. Animals either yeah, fight or they run away or they freeze if they can't do either. Yeah, no, that wasn't that reaction. No. Good. Just like stillness. Beautiful. So that's, that's your template. For, that's your barometer to yeah. go back in. 
yeah, once I went in and like I saw what was on the paper, like and I saw the object and it was very clear. That made sense? Yeah. Wow. And were you aware of that before? <laughs> I mean subconsciously I've No no consciously were you aware of this? Um I guess like kind of, like I know it's like in the back of my mind. And like I brought it all back um to the front, um but I didn't really like push it to the back more. So now right. I know like this is something I need to work like on. Like it came up to the foreground yeah. rather than I just cut with like constantly like push it back. Push yeah, it back that's what we do. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So you can now run with that. I would run with it's a gift mm-hmm. that it showed you. It revealed meaning somehow you felt safe enough for it to reveal to you. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. At this mo at this moment. Okay. I'll regret You don't have to. Um, no, you can no, pass anytime. I felt, no, no, I felt just felt I don't really do this at all, so I think it was just <laughs> newness. Yeah. I felt it. like I was really controlling it, and I kept telling myself not to control it. Mm, same. Like, even the house, I was picking, it sounds so weird, but I was like, picking like a nicer house. <laughs> like, I was like, imagining a really nice mansion that I saw, like a picture. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I want that one instead. <laughs> so like, I was like, picking which house. I was picking the foyer. I was like picking all like the rather than it just appearing to you, you were like right. consciously creating like it. Like you're being interior designer. Right. It was all the superficialness. Uh-huh. And I kept looking at the chandelier, honestly. Like that's what I was looking at like in the foyer. Like that's what I was looking uh-huh. at. I know. So anyways, and then um the the paper I also feel like I'm the one who thought of the word that was on it versus the other way. And I kept thinking, I don't wanna do that. I want it to come to me that I feel like I was just so which part, which which part of you was aware that you were forcing it and creating it and conscious? I think there's a part of you that was watching you do all of that. Right. That's not the conscious mind. Oh, okay. There's part of you watching right. you doing all these creating in the house, yeah. and, and you're like, I don't want to be doing this. Right. I want to be doing. This. But which part's that? I guess it's subconscious. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just pointing that out so that you feel both of yourself. Oh. You, you were annoyed because you could feel this part stronger because that's what we're used to feeling. Right. But there's another part of you that was witnessing the whole thing that you had the dialogue going on at the same time. Right. So that's a higher part of your soul. Mm-hmm. That's a higher part of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's usually from a deeper place. Mm-hmm. So you were in touch with both. It's just you weren't used to tuning into the higher part that's watching it all. Right. And right. when you just allow this thing to go about itself and don't give it so much energy, it kind of dies down. Mm-hmm. And this part becomes louder. Right. The witness. Yeah, I, so tried, to speak. I don't know, I just I felt like I was, yeah, controlling all of it, even though I really wanted it to just appear to me. Right, but you, you don't, up till now, you don't know how, any other way to be. So, like, right. it's just good that you became aware of that. Because mm-hmm. up till now, you might not have even been aware of that. Mm-hmm. You're just in that mode. Mm-hmm. And now you became aware of that mode. So that's valuable. Mm-hmm. You hear what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the value of meditation, is every single person's experience had gold in it. Every single person has... I'm not ready to see, or I have a cough, or like, what part did I start coughing? That would be worth looking back on, or oh my gosh, I got some answers, or I noticed I was controlling everything, and like, I noticed there's a part. Every single person, right, has something of value in this. That's what meditation is about the process, it's about the journey, it's not about an outcome. It really doesn't matter at all if you got something on the piece of paper. Like, we feel like so left brain, like, oh, I had to get something on the paper, I didn't get it, I did, I did bad, bad test, right? That's very left brain, right? I'm exaggerating, but like, that's yeah, that's very left brain, okay. Anyone else? Chloe? So I didn't see any paper. Just when you were talking about... She got rid of the paper altogether. No, I'm like, what are you even talking about with the house? I don't even, like, see anything. But then I was just... Stop this.